scripture reading this morning is from Jonah chapter 1, and you can find it printed on page 8 of your bulletin if you want to follow along. Jonah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord, because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they bowed to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. knew that we would, be, we would be leaving our last building, former Mount Rona Missionary Baptist Church, we, we didn't know what the pulpit situation might be like in our new space. Um, baby, we got an upgrade. <laughs> Doing all right. Uh, <laughs> earlier, I, I mentioned that it's a privilege to be gathering uh, in this church and I want to also say it's a, a privilege and an honor for me to preach in this historic pulpit uh, for the first time. We, we are today starting a, a new series in the book of Jonah from the Old Testament, a short series, just three weeks for the remainder of our weeks in November. It's probably one of the most recognizable stories in the Bible because of that big fish but also maybe one of the least studied. And so it'll be a joy for us to go over this story and mine the grace of God out of it together. So let's get to it. But first, let's open with a word of prayer. Let's pray. God, we come to you today surrounded by newness in a season of change. But here's one thing that never changes, your word. Grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. So anchor us in your word today. 
speak to us. Speak to us, God, by the power of your spirit. Help me and my weakness glorify your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. What was your favorite book as a child? One of mine, among many, was a book called The Digging Isk Dog. It was about a sad dog who didn't know how to dig. What kind of dog is that? Until he suddenly figured out how to dig. But then he went overboard with that digging and wrecked the entire city, got into trouble, and found Jesus. No, he didn't find Jesus. But he had a change of heart. He fixed all the holes he dug. He lived happily ever after. Now, one slightly awkward part of that story, though, was that the dog's name was Duke. (laughs) Now, some cynical members of my family, I won't say who, say that that's actually the real reason why I grew to love the book so much. But I actually think it's what they say because there aren't any other awesome kids' books about cats named Paula. (laughs) But I won't tell you which family member accuses me of being vain. Another favorite book of mine is The Runaway Bunny. You might know it. It's a sweet story, and it starts like this. Once there was a little bunny who wanted to run away. So he said to his mother, I am running away. If you run away, said his mother, I will run after you, for you are my little bunny. If you run after me, said the little bunny, I will become a fish in a trout stream and I will swim away from you. If you become a fish in a trout stream, said his mother, I will become a fisherman and I will fish for you. If you become a fisherman, said the little bunny, I will become a rock on the mountain high above you. If you become a rock on the mountain high above me, said his mother, I will become a mountain climber and I will climb to where you are. And on and on they go. The little bunny doing everything that he can to come up with ways that he can run away from her. His mother reassuring him, on the other hand, that she will run after him and find him no matter what. A child's runaway heart and a parent's relentless pursuit. Those two themes connect with us on a deep level. It's one of the reasons why it's such a beloved book. You might also say they're the main themes in the first chapter of the book of Jonah. You see, this is a story about running away. It's also a story about God's relentless rescue of his runaways. Let's explore both of those themes in turn. First, running away. We actually don't know all that much about Jonah. What we do know is this from the book of 2 Kings chapter 14. That he lived in the 8th century B.C., around the same time as the prophets Amos and Hosea. He was from the village of Gath-Hefer in the northern region of Israel, 
We also know that Jonah was a prophet. That means just an authorized spokesman for God. It's actually his being a prophet that makes this such an unusual story, these opening verses, so strange. Have you noticed it? We're told in verse 1, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, Go to the great city of Nineveh, that's the capital city of Assyria, and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. God is calling him to go in sort of a loving intervention to speak honestly with a whole people that are making shipwreck of their spiritual lives. God calling them in truth and in grace, calling them back to himself. He's sending his prophet to go. And how does Jonah respond? Verse 3, but Jonah ran away from the Lord. Nineveh was to his east, but Jonah headed west in the exact opposite direction to Joppa in order to set sail for Tarshish across the big Mediterranean Sea. He found a ship. He paid the fare, verse 3 repeats, to flee from the Lord. You know, prophets aren't supposed to say no to God, let alone run away from God, but that's exactly what Jonah did, and that's exactly what we all Some of us, like Jonah, have been running away from God. As the old hymn confesses, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God, I love it. I feel it, don't you? That wandering, that running. Maybe you're mad at God. Maybe you don't feel like you're running, but you agree maybe with the English author and atheist Julian Barnes when he once wrote, I don't believe in God, but I miss him. Maybe you've been hurt in the past by the church or by Christians. Maybe that's why God maybe brought you here today, just as our church community is starting fresh in this Billy, maybe you're here because you're ready for a fresh start with God. Are you running from God? Will you come home to God today? Others of us are running from God maybe in a specific area of your life. Maybe recently, like with Jonah, the word of the Lord came to you, not audibly, but clearly through the Bible. Maybe you need to end an unhealthy relationship, but you're still clinging to it. Or maybe God has spoken to you his word of forgiveness for a bad mistake that you've made, but you're too proud to receive it, so you're running. Or you know that God is calling you to be more generous, less self-centered with your time, but you don't want to, so you set sail for Tarshish. You're fleeing on a ship heading towards a town called Leave Me Alone or a city called Looking Out for Numero Uno. Dear friends, are you running away from God? And still others of us, maybe even more specifically like Jonah, are running from God's call to serve this great city. 
not Nineveh, but Washington, D.C., and in particular, our neighborhoods of Petworth, Columbia Heights, Mount Pleasant, Adams Morgan. Some of you hear it. Go, befriend people who are different than you culturally or religiously. Be a neighbor. But we prefer to be comfortable. You hear it, go be a servant. Put the needs and interests of your neighbors before your own. But it's much easier to live as a consumer. Go to church. I can do that. Go to the great city. Nah. And this is so important for us to remember. As we begin this new chapter in the life of our church, you know, we've said it already, but because our move here is not just a change of location, right? It's a new and fresh opportunity to renew our sacrificial commitment in love, the love of Christ, our commitment to the well-being of our neighbor, not only spiritually, but also physically and emotionally and economically. Loving them with the words and deeds of the gospel. Loving them, loving you with grace and with truth. Friends like Jonah, are you running from God's call to participate in his gospel mission? Are we running from God? What's fascinating, of course, is that the book of Jonah is a story about God's mission, his mission of compassion to the people of Nineveh. But notice how the story starts here in chapter 1 with a runaway prophet. See, before the story even gets to its intended destination to Nineveh, it takes a long detour into the heart of Jonah. See, God needs to rescue, of all people, Jonah before he can use Jonah. I mean, think about that. God needs to rescue Jonah himself in order to use Jonah, the prophet. Our city, our, our great city, tends to attract so many people who come here to change the world. But do you know that God's first priority usually is to change you. God's mission of compassion to this great city starts with you. Which brings us to the second theme. Jonah chapter 1 is a story about running away, but it's also a story about God's relentless rescue. Jonah gets on a boat, and God chases after him. God won't let him go. In the words of one Christian author, you can't outrun God. It's futile to try. It's impossible to outpace his pursuing affection. Even in our sinning, even in our rebelling, even in our running, dear friends, God never gives up on you. Deuteronomy 31.8 says so. 
The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So don't you be afraid. Romans 8, 39, nothing will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. I, myself, I'm embarrassed personally about how quickly I give up on people all the time. But here's good news. God's not like me. He never gives up on pursuing people. He never runs out of that pursuing affection. That covenant love never runs out of gas. Never gives up on pursuing people, even when they're running the opposite way. That's how relentless the grace of Jesus is. Here's one thing that Jonah teaches us. The story of the Christian gospel is a story of a God who rescues runaways in his relentless love. So if you dare to nod your head and your heart earlier as we were going through all the different ways that we tend to run from God and being honest with ourselves about ways we might be running even today. If you were willing to say, yes, that's me, guess what? You got relentless love coming your way today. If you're willing to admit that you're a person in the low place, guess what? Jesus is there waiting, ready to rescue you, pour out his love into you. As my kid's story Bible puts it, you can run away from God, but he will always come and find you. But this is important too. How? How does God then come and find you, his runaway children? Do you notice how God chased after Jonah? How? Through a storm. Verse 4 tells us, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. The Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. I mean, we don't normally think this way, not unless God tells us to through the Bible. But do you know that God loves you so much that sometimes he sends storms into your life to bring you home? Let me say that one more time. God loves you so much that sometimes he sends even storms into your life to bring you home. Is there a storm in your life today? The winds are blowing. The waves are crashing. Maybe the relationships are breaking apart. Maybe your vision is cloudy like the windshield in heavy rain. The hurricane warnings of your heart are flashing Dear friends, is it possible that that storm is part of God's pursuit of your runaway heart? And we hear that, and especially when it hurts, understandably, we almost want to get mad, right? Come on. Okay, I'm running, but why can't God then send in a Rolls-Royce helicopter to come and rescue Jonah, me, right? Something a little bit easier. You know why? You know why? He would if he could. He would, but he loves you too much to. You know why he does it this way? 
because most of us don't even know that we're running. Or we do, and we don't care that we are. See, did you notice this scene in verses 5 and 6? I love it. This storm is bad. The ship is busting up. Everybody is freaking out. Everyone, that is, except for Jonah. What's he doing? He's below deck sleeping. It's this really vivid portrait of a false sense of peace. This picture of a counterfeit clear conscience. He's the reason for the storm, and he's snoring. Listen, just because you are at peace doesn't mean you ought to be. Just because you're not at all troubled doesn't mean that you're not in trouble. So sometimes God needs to wake us up. Sometimes the only way he gets our attention is through storms. And if your heart is as stubborn as mine is, and if you're as masterful at self-deception and denial as I am, then you know exactly why God needs to work this way sometimes in his love. Again, that painful or disappointing hardship in your life, you know, that one that you're trying to get rid of. The one that maybe you're even mad at God for sending into your life, do you know that that might be a tangible sign of God's love for you, his commitment to bring you home and then to never let you go? Will you dare to believe? Jonah encounters the storm, of course, and the sea is getting rougher and rougher, verse 11 tells us. The sailors are terrified soon. They're going to die. They are going to die. They know that Jonah's responsible for the storm. He, he tells them so to, to throw him into the sea, and then the storm will stop. And at first they refuse. They don't want any moral responsibility for craziness like that. But left with no other hope and no other option, verse 15, they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And that was good news for the sailors, of course, but not for Jonah. Now he's sinking in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, and he's sure to drown. It's a death that perhaps we might say Jonah deserves that all runaway sinners like us deserve justly sinking when suddenly God scoops Jonah up and rescues Jonah from his watery grave. God provides a lifeboat in the form of a big fish, swallows him whole. We're told in verse 17, now the Lord provided a huge fish, the, the Lord provided. This is a gift. This is grace. This is salvation. The Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. God saved Jonah's life. But what about that Rolls Royce helicopter again? No. Once again, rescue isn't always comfortable. I mean, are you beginning to believe that? God might save your life, 
but not your pride. His relentless love is available to you, but it isn't always easy on you. But neither is life-saving surgery, is it? After all, what Jonah most needed wasn't just physical transport. What he needed was a rescue from his own fleeing heart. God uses storms and fish bellies to rescue us. But you know that's not even the end of the story. Because Jonah's rescue points to an even greater rescue. The greatest rescue of all. The one we most deeply need. See, over a thousand years later, Jesus spoke about this very story, as recorded in Matthew chapter 12, where Jesus said of himself, now something greater than Jonah is here, referring to himself, a better Jonah. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, Jesus continued, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, referring to his death. See, our ultimate rescue, the ultimate evidence of God's love for you isn't even found just in the storms sent upon you. Our ultimate rescue is found in the storm sent upon Jesus for you. The sailors were afraid of killing one that they called an innocent man, though Jonah was hardly that. Jesus was innocent, sinless. And yet he was thrown overboard, so to speak, for our sins. Jesus was plunged into the waves of God's wrath. On the cross, he sunk into a raging sea of suffering for our sins and selfishness. And for three days, Jesus remained in the darkness of death, not in the belly of a fish, but in the bowels of a tomb. raging sea of God's just judgment finally grew calm because God's rescue mission for sinners on the cross was fully accomplished. Dear friends, the ultimate way that we're rescued from our running from God is through the greater Jonah, Jesus. He is how he brings us You'll have to come back next week to find out what happens next in Jonah's story. How will Jonah respond to God's stormy, fishy rescue? How will you respond even today? I'm not going to spoil it in this moment, but I'll tell you this much about Jonah's response. He was driven by desperation. He was captivated, captivated by the relentless, stormy love of God. Will you receive or re-receive God's stormy love for runaways like you and me today? you become a tightrope walker and walk across the air, said the bunny, I will become a little boy and run into a house. If you become a little boy and run into a house, said the mother bunny, I will become your mother and catch you in my arms and hug you. Shucks, said the bunny. 
I might just as well stay where I am and be your little bunny. And so he did. Have a carrot, said the mother bunny. That's how the runaway bunny ends. I've always thought one of the most amazing things about that mother bunny was how she didn't get annoyed or upset by the little bunny's schemes. How dare you question my love after all the carrots I've given you, you know, scold him into submission. You know, my go-to parenting style, right? None of that. Instead, she wore him down with her stubborn love. She offers him a carrot, just sliding right back into being the mother she always was, the mother he always needed. See, that's a bit like Jonah's God, isn't it? Do you know a God like that God? God who rescues his runaways in his relentless love. Let's pray. We got to know this love, God, wherever we are, wherever we're running. Bring us back. Show us yourself. Help us to see your love. The greater Jonah, Jesus, help us to see him in all his glory and his kindness and compassion. Change our hearts. Receive us. Help us to receive you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and let's sing.